What do we got this week? How about a victim of sexual assault died? Yay! We need someone to call this documentary about chimpanzees racist. Quick, get me a white person? Or is that racist? Get me a black person. Wait, is that racist? You heard of hashtag me too and hashtag believe all women. But there's another one you may not have heard of, which is hashtag believe all women, unless the woman is white and the man is black. If you have too many chiefs and not enough Indians, well then you just put the bottom Indian in charge of the chiefs. Now you've got a circular hierarchy and there's no amount of Indians and chiefs you can't fit in that. The reason why Tucker Carlson was fired is very interesting. What Tucker Carlson will do next is even more interesting. And the answer to both of those is no one knows. What does a podcast made by a man with middling testosterone sound like? Well, you're going to find out that and a lot more on this episode of the Anti-Woke Podcast. I've got a theory that the reason why 50% of high school girls today identify as not straight, and the reason why is because all women are bisexual, and then when you got this thing going on social media about, hey, you can be whatever you want to be, and then you're like, oh, maybe that's why I'm feeling these feelings, and I am going to be something special and different. Well, anyways, I went and looked it up. What percentage of women are bisexual? And someone did a study. I mean, you know, these studies always change and turn out to be wrong, and then they do a new one and blah, blah. But apparently you can use pupil dilation to see if you are sexually aroused. And when they showed sexy pictures of men and women to a bunch of women... They found that 74% of straight women were sexually aroused by both sexes. And I don't know the number, but apparently a lot of lesbians are only turned on by women. So that's not what I would have guessed. They should redo that part of the study. And, you know, just, just think of, in your life, it might be like mine, where I know a number of lesbians where... They were in a relationship with a man, the man was a piece of crap, and then they became a lesbian. But I've never heard of a man who like had a woman that was so such a piece of crap that he's like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna have sex with men from now on. So it seems like women can choose and men cannot. Although with this latest generation, I don't even know. And the evolution reason for this is that women need a second person to work while they're taking care of the kid and can't work. And men just need to sow their seed far and wide as possible. And, you know, if you get if you get a bunch of women pregnant and they all become lesbians, that's fine. I was cleaning out an old computer, kind of like you clean out your garage every once in a while or something. And I ran into this thing that was supposed to make it into my podcast but never did. And this is from a couple years ago when Ezra Klein, who just some woke guy, was in an online feud with Sam Harris, who's an anti-woke guy who also has mega Trump derangement syndrome. And they were arguing because Sam Harris had Charles Murray on his podcast. And Charles Murray famously, Charles Murray famously wrote The Bell Curve, which is a book that says... 
We don't know why black people seem to have low IQ, but this has policy implications on, you know, what's going to work to, I don't know, help poor people in America. And he put a thing in his book, he says, I'm not saying it's genetic. And then everyone's like, you're saying it's genetic. And it kind of seems today you got two options. It's either you're a racist and you're saying it's genetic, or the answer is it's systemic racism. And so Klein was like, it's systemic racism. And even if it's not, it's still systemic racism. And so here's what I had on my old computer, him talking about it. Klein fears that Murray's ideas will absolve white people for the historical crimes against black people so they no longer feel that racial inequality is their responsibility to correct. In other words, it's important that we do automatically view aggregate racial inequality as a product of racism. Otherwise, justifications for anti-racist policies become, while not void by any means, weaker, and an order of magnitude more subtle, complex, and difficult. The same effect sex differences have on the justifications for feminist policies. That's why he insists so forcefully that slavery and discrimination is what we're supposed to be talking about, not genetics. Unleash the transgender children. So Joe Biden put out a three-minute internet ad because he's decided he's running for president and the first minute and a half was January 6th stuff and then him talking about freedom while showing you know rainbow flags and queer parades and the second minute and a half was like black faces like here's Joe Biden talking to a bunch of black factory workers and then cut to the face of an old black woman in a close-up so their strategy seems to be, hey, remember January 6th and Trump? We're, the, we're, we're, we're against that stuff. And now, you know, you, you thought it was the Republicans that were the party of freedom, but now we're the party of freedom. But it's actually freedom for queer stuff. So they don't actually put a picture of it in the video, but, you know, the only queer stuff legal fight going on in America today is, you know, what exactly can transgender children get medicated with and have lopped off so i guess you know freedom used to mean patriotism and now it means the freedom for 13 year olds to get double mastectomies and i don't think they're worried about black people voting democrat but maybe they're worried that black people won't be excited to vote for old white fogey biden so they're trying to rev them up so you know they were going to vote the right way either way but are they going to vote at all will they come out in numbers force and I think because of that reasoning, Kamala Harris was in the video a bunch. Like, I had to watch the video twice. It's full of the faces of Americans. And I watched it the first time, I was like, it didn't show a single Asian. I went back and watched it. You know, out of three minutes, there's probably one, one and a half seconds of Asian faces in it. Unless you count Kamala Harris, because she's actually... 50% South Asian and then less than 50% black and less than 50% white. I figured it out. Do you know who hates January 6th, loves queer stuff, and loves black people? White women. That's exactly who Biden's going for. And also, freedom may mean freedom to choose to have an abortion. 
this week in white black mexican crime coverage this week in white black mexican crime coverage so last week i was talking about these wrong place shootings and last week started with a 16 year old black boy who was shot for ringing the doorbell of a 80 something year old white man and everyone's like this is it america's racist we've been telling you and then very quickly there was the 20 year old white girl who got shot and killed there was the michael jordan of high school cheerleading who got shot and i think killed basically it turned out that america just has a lot of people getting shot for being in the wrong place at the wrong time and i think if you already thought that america was racist you know wherever you make sure you only get your news from well that was confirmed last week and then for other people who get their news and don't care, they're probably like, huh, I'm not so, sh-, you know, this is not a clean America's racist situation. But last week was even less clean. I just didn't know about it. Turns, there, turns out there was a black guy who shot a six-year-old blonde girl. And I was just getting my, you know, information from the woke mainstream media. So I didn't even, I didn't know about that. I went and listened to Bill Maher but it was after I had published my own podcast, and he did talk, he mentioned it last week. And I think in this case, like the little girl, maybe some other kids, the basketball, they're playing basketball or with a ball, and it went into this guy's yard, and so he came out with a gun, and then her dad went over there, and she got grazed in the forehead, I think, and then the dad got one, I don't know, in the lung and in the leg or something, and he lived. And the black guy that was doing the shooting had a history of violent crime. So the media is not crowing from the rooftops about that one, obviously. Although I watch NBC Nightly News, and they did very briefly mention it and show the shooter's face on, I guess, the Saturday episode. So no one watches their weekend episodes, but they did get it in there. You're like, what? You didn't even show that one. like, yeah, we did for one second on Saturday. And now I think no one cares because, as I'm saying this, there's a manhunt on for a Mexican who combined the wrong place shooting with a mass shooting. So in Texas, there was a guy who liked to go out and shoot his AR-15 at night, or evening, in the evening. And apparently his neighbors had a baby, or that was their excuse. Like, you know, we wanted our baby to be able to sleep. So they went over him to him and said, hey, could you kindly stop shooting your gun late at night? And he, well, whatever, he killed five people. I guess he shot them all in the head, execution style, the, the police chief said. And it's kind of interesting, because back in the day, we didn't say Hispanic or Latino. It wasn't people being racist, you just said Mexican. Like when I was a teenager in, I guess, the 80s, I went to Southern California, and I went to a fast food restaurant, and... Every worker there was Latino. And I got back to Oregon and I was telling someone about it and I was like, yeah, it was interesting. All the workers at the fast food restaurants were Mexican. And I think back then they would have all been, you know, citizens of Mexico. Uh, You get the idea. But anyways, the way the media is covering this one, you can't just say Mexican. I think because of, whatever, that's racist. Calling someone a Mexican, that's racist. And so the way the media is covering this guy is they say, a Mexican national. So some Mexican national went on a wrong place spree or whatever, execution style mass shooting. 
And there was another one. It was like, you know, came and went so fast that you didn't even know. But uh, some old guy shot his neighbor over a leaf blower argument. And so I think even if you're wokest of the woke, for the wrong place shootings, you'd at least know that there was one where a white man shot a black boy. And you'd also know that there was a Mexican person who shot five people. And then I'm, I think, what, what does this do for the, uh, for the mass shooting things? This is, and I don't know what a woke person realizes. They probably still think it's all white men. But I think this, we now, you know, of the last, I don't know what, eight mass shootings, we got two Asian, two black, a Hispanic Mexican, and I don't know. I can't keep it together. I should, I should have a rolling list. But I think the lion ass media is having a problem keeping up their narrative that white men are evil and guns are evil. Like, you know, they always can just say, fuck it. We're just going to say that guns are evil every time. That way, whoever does the shooting, we can still push our narrative. But they're, still, they're, not, they're definitely still not ready to give up on their false narrative of white men being evil and just switch over to purely the guns one. But I don't really see what else they can do. I think that's coming. Kids today need to put down their iPhones and be satisfied with their gender. At least according to Socrates. So I looked up this Socrates quote about the youth. Um, it's not really Socrates. It's someone. Someone 2,000 years ago said this. We don't know exactly who. But a lot of people, you know, basically every generation says the next generation is all screwed up. And it's funny that they've been doing it for 2,000 years. So here's the quote. The young people of today think of nothing but themselves. They have no reverence for parents or old age. They are impatient of all restraint. They talk as if they alone knew everything. And what passes for wisdom with us is foolishness with them. There seems to be some actual evidence that the Bud Light boycott over the transgender hoopla is working a bit. That Nielsen IQ company that tracks consumer spending said that Bud Light was down 17%. This is the week that ended a few weeks ago. And I think that was year over year, but Bud Light is down in general. So it's not a perfect apples to apples. The boycott caused a 17% decrease, but the boycott is responsible for I think at least a decent chunk of that 17%. And also there was a grocery chain, I think in the New York area that I never heard of, and their Bud Light sales were down by half. And I think it was just a small chain, but that's better than like a single bar owner saying, oh yeah, I think Bud Light's down at my one bar. And TikTok was not suggesting videos of people turning gay because they take a sip of Bud Light. Um, so I was like, oh, is TikTok cracking down? You know, did the corporate overlords tell them to stop it? And I don't know. I, I searched for Bud Light. I hit like on a few of the Bud Light is gay videos. And I think TikTok is serving me those videos up left and right again. So, And I like TNA TikToks. And I clicked on an attractive sports influencer to see more of her stuff. And it wasn't even that cheesecakey, but I just didn't see this one so much. I whatever. Eventually, you'll bite. And it turned out it was an advertisement for 
Lovin' Sports Activewear, which is women's activewear that you can buy at Walmart. And I think a sports bra costs about 10 to $12. And my guess is that's a good price for a sports bra, although I don't really know. And so this just goes back to what I was saying last week, that women will drop cash on stuff that will hopefully make them look good like crazy. Like there's, there's almost no equivalent for men. I mean, maybe porn, but you know, maybe TikTok doesn't allow porn advertisements. Anyways, the TikTok algorithm must know that I'm a guy watching all this TNA cheesecake. Um, and still, the best ad they have for me is women's clothing. Like their plan is, my girlfriend thinks I'm cheating and goes snooping around on my phone. And then was like, oh, that looks cute. I'll buy that. They had a family reunion the other day of Robert E. Lee's descendants and the descendants of his slaves. And they got together at the Arlington house, big fancy house. I'm not sure, but I think that was like the main plantation house that Lee lived at. And NPR was interviewing some of the people. And there was like a older white lady who, she'd never really thought about slavery and how she was descended from slave owners. But then I guess George Floyd made her start thinking about it and she started having panic attacks. And then she talked to one of the descendants of the slaves, and he's like, hey, you haven't done anything to me. Don't worry about it. And she stopped having panic attacks. And apparently, it, towards the end of the Civil War, I guess, uh, General Lee had to get the hell out of there because the, what, the blue? The blue guy, the blue coats were coming. Or gray. Anyways, the, the North. And when he left, he put the slaves in charge and said, I don't know, keep the house orderly. And NPR didn't mention it, but Lee was kind of a weird slave owner. He was very progressive. Like, I think, you know, the people that would catch runaway slaves were black. The overseers were black. Basically, he had slaves. He had slaves doing all the, like, blacksmith and police and judge and whatever. He had slaves doing the jobs above the other slaves. I believe because he wanted to be nice. And it makes me think to back when I was a kid in the I don't know, late 70s, early 80s, and somewhere in school, you know, the fact that America had slaves would come up and you'd be like, you know, you, maybe you didn't know that before. You're learning history and you sure as hell can't say this now, even if you're a kid. But back then it was kind of like, oh, huh, there was a thing called slavery. Well, you know what? I would have been a nice slave owner. I think I mentioned that I found some broken open goose eggs the other week, and they were really big. And elsewhere in this pod, I mentioned that it seems like anytime I start recording, these wild geese come around and start honking. And two and two together, what that means is there's baby geese around. This is all at my shop. I don't know, the birds just like this area. And last year there was a nest for the blue jays, and then there was like three baby blue jays in the nest. And the parent jays were always fighting with the local ravens. And then one day, two of the babies were gone, and one of them was on the ground kind of chirping. And so I got out a ladder, and I scooped up the baby jay, and I put it back in the nest, and I was walking away, and the raven, which couldn't find it on the ground, was like, oh, thanks. It flew right into the nest and killed and ate that bird. And it made me feel a little bit sick. 
And so today, squeaking and chirping on the ground was a baby goose, a gosling, Ryan gosling. And I hadn't thought about it, but what they look like is a baby duck, except much bigger. Like they're little and they're yellow and they're fuzzy. It's like a rubber ducky. And so there was this super cute little gosling on the ground and I ran away. I was like, I don't know what wild animal is gonna kill this super cute little gosling, but I don't wanna have any part of it. I'm already starting to feel a little bit ill just thinking about it. So I ran away, came back in a few hours and it's gone, problem solved. And I shouldn't have looked, up, looked it up on the internet, but no, the parents of a baby goose cannot pick up the baby goose in their mouth and fly it back to the nest. You go out to riot with the victim you have. Kind of like the Iraq war when Rumsfeld, the guy in charge, said, you go to war with the army you have. So Carolyn Bryant died this week. This is the 21-year-old white lady who in 1955, Mississippi, said that Emmett Till me her and her psychopathic husband got together with some racist good old boys and they uh, abducted, tortured, lynched, and murdered Till, who was 14. And I don't know the exact timeline, but it seems like maybe Till was kind of like the Trayvon Martin, you know, but for the civil rights movement versus the Black Lives Matter movement. And when Trayvon Martin was killed in self-defense, the initial story was that he was a little kid who was totally innocent, and generally that story was frozen in amber, and you know only a racist would go read Wikipedia and find out that he was slamming a he dude's head on the concrete repeatedly and got shot for his troubles. And the picture the media used when they were writing their articles was a picture of him when he was a relatively little kid, even though at the actual time of the shooting he was a wasn't a grown-ass man, but he was a teenager, a big teenager. You know, the, there's a political goal. you got to call America racist, and those facts can be left on the cutting room floor. And I'm not sure what the media said in 1955 when Till got murdered, but he's been getting more and more innocent every decade since. He's never been more innocent and childlike than he is today. And so Till lived in Chicago, but he was visiting Mississippi. So, you know, so maybe stuff that was okay to do in Chicago in 55 would get you murdered in Mississippi. But a number of the things that people said happened that day, you know, they said it back in the day when they were interviewed uh, for the case. They have since said, oh, no, that didn't happen. I mean, people were taking stuff back for... You know, like I said, you know, for 50 years, 60 years. So the facts of the case may be that Emmett Till had a class picture that included white girls because he went to a mixed school in Chicago and he was telling everyone how he had a white girlfriend. And then his friends dared him to go hit on 21-year-old Bryant. She worked at, a, I think, her family store in town. And then maybe he said some crude sexual things to her while grabbing her hand and then she you know tried to get away from him and he went after her and grabbed her around the waist telling her he'd been with white women before stuff like that and maybe he was wolf whistling at her repeatedly 
And so all those things I just mentioned there were, except for the part where he grabbed her around the waist, um, that was stuff that like black people who were there at the time said happened. And then afterwards they said, no, it didn't happen. And then him wolf whistling repeatedly is, oh, well, maybe he had a breathing problem. So it sounded like he was wolf whistling all the time. I mean, basically, no one knew that this was the most important story in the world, and it was going to change whether or not America got to be racist anymore. So, you know, anyways, the story changed over the years. You know, people were like, some guy who said he had the picture recanted on his deathbed or whatever. But what would be real nice for the story is if the woman, because, you know, now you got a marginalized group of women versus marginalized group of blacks, It'd be nice if the woman would just say that she was a liar, and that would, that would really clean things up. So somewhere in the 2000s, I don't know, 2008, 2017, can't remember, some guy wrote a book about it, and he went and interviewed Carolyn Bryant when she was like an old-ass lady. And shocker, she said, I lied. I made up the whole thing. I'm a racist bitch. And I think the book came out with that as the tagline and sold real good. And at some point, the FBI got into it, like, I mean, that was a long time ago, but, you know, maybe you could get her on a hate crime or something. And that's the only part I remember. I remember the FBI was looking into the case. They were reopening the case or whatever, I don't know, five years ago, ten years ago. But she said, she denies that she told him that she lied. She never, she never said that she lied. She said she told the truth, according to her. She told the truth, and she always told people that she told the truth, according to her. And then he's like, I recorded the entire, you know, every conversation we had. Oh, whoops, I forgot to hit record on the part where you said you were a liar. And her daughter-in-law was there for, the in- for all the interviewing. And she says it never, she says she never took back what she said. So believe all women, except this time. So Tucker Carlson got fired by Fox News. This week and it's a big story everyone's talking about why was he fired and what's he gonna do next and the answer is we don't know and like every day there was another couple possible reasons why he got fired people on the left would like to think that he got fired because he was an election denier uh, I think most people are not aware he was like the least election denying of the big Fox people but there was that 780 million dollar defamation settlement recently so that's the timing is very close so maybe that had something to do with it and I did a podcast I don't know two or three months ago about how he got access to all the footage inside the Capitol building during January 6th and he was he spent the whole week kind of saying that January 6th wasn't that bad and then the next week he didn't talk about it at all And so my theory involves January 6th. If it wasn't that bad, then you know what? You can re-elect Donald Trump. And you know what that means? Then he might shut down the war in Ukraine. And therefore, the military-industrial complex and all their State Department buddies uh, are like, get rid of Tucker. He might help Trump get re-elected. And that's just my flim-flammery. Like I say, no one knows. And there's about four other very reasonable sounding reasons that I've forgotten. Uh, A couple of the more recent ones were that Rupert Murdoch, the billionaire who owns Fox, heard a speech by Tucker where he was saying that he was religious. And 
that scared Rupert Murdoch for some reason, so maybe believing in God or a higher power or something got him fired. Although I think a lot of Fox people are probably going to church. And then in that lawsuit, even though he wasn't a stop the steal person, they got his texts, you know, his internal communications, and he was like calling his female boss a cunt, and maybe that's why. And some lady is suing him for being, what, anti-woman and anti-Jew in the workplace. But unlike Bill O'Reilly, who was, a, who was the big dog at Fox at one point, and he was doing bad stuff to women, sounds like the lawsuit against Tucker probably ain't going nowhere, or that lawsuit. Like, we don't know much, but it sounds like this lady did not work in the same state as Tucker did. And so basically she just, she worked for the show and she, get, she could read the text messages that Tucker sent out. And so maybe she received the one where he called the boss lady a cunt. And so she's like, there you go. This, you know, this is, this is a, a hostile work environment. That's, the, that's what it is. And then someone else that works for the show was like, she took down the Christmas ornaments and they're like, come on, put them back. And she's like, that's anti-Jew. Anyways, we don't know. But Fox News fired Bill O'Reilly, if you remember him. He was the pre-Tucker guy. And then Glenn Beck, who was another kind of Tucker-esque guy at Fox News. And they were both like big hits, I think. And they both got fired. And so kind of the question now is, as Tucker is not there anymore, does Fox News just chug along? It turns out it's not the personality. It's just the channel. Or was Tucker bigger than Fox News? Like, it seemed like maybe he is, but we don't know. And so we don't know his contract or internal stuff at Fox exactly, but it sounds like maybe Tucker was being paid 10 20 or maybe even up to $40 million a year. And someone I was listening to said that his show got, I think, $14,000 for a 30-minute advertisement. And that was several years ago, so... You know, maybe they're making 20 grand or, we're, you know, up, whatever. Tucker was getting 20 grand for a 30 second ad. And so the math could be something like his show was making $200 million and he was getting paid 20 or maybe even 40 million. And it is believed that his contract runs through 2024 or 2025. That's not totally known. It is definitely known that he was trying to get an extension going through 2029 and I think Fox was down with it like whatever happened happened quick like on Friday night at the end of his last show he was eating pizza and told the audience uh, see you on Monday and apparently him and his crew went into work on Monday and they were getting ready to make their show and then in the afternoon they were told you're not going on the air you're fired or actually we don't even know if he's fired but you're not going on the air and so what is he going to do next? Everyone's, you know, that's the big debate now or uh, theorizing. And so I went and looked up Bill O'Reilly and like within a month after he was fired, he started a podcast. I don't even know he had one, but he's had one since 2017, April. And then he also has like a TV thing. I think it's on YouTube. It was suggested to me the other day. I was like, oh, Bill, Bill O'Reilly's still alive and doing news on YouTube. Who knew? And then when Glenn Beck was fired, like that night, he started up his own internet version of Fox called The Blaze. And he went on the, and he went, you know, he went on the net and was like, here I am with The Blaze. 
And so Tucker's already, you know, it's been a week or whatever. Tucker's already not done much uh, since he left Fox. So then the question is, maybe he's still under contract. And they're just like, we're going to pay you your 20 to $40 million. And just your job is to not do anything. Like someone said, you can go around and give speeches, but you can't do a podcast and you can't do a TV show, internet or cable. And Tucker did some two-minute video on Twitter that got many mil- you know, 65 million views or something. And he said, basically, he didn't say anything. He didn't say what was going on. He said that he would be back. And I think he said the word debate. I was listening to Scott Adams, and Scott Adams was like, he said the word debate. That means he's going to start a show where people on the left and people on the right debate each other, and Tucker is the moderator. Which sounds crazy to me. It's more like... I'm going to be the host of a presidential debate or I'm going to run for president and I'm going to get up and debate, you know, Trump or Biden, whichever, whoever, if he tries to be a Democrat, who knows? So I think his contract, you know, it allows him to give speeches, but he can't do a TV show. I think his contract would allow him to run for president. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but that would be the craziest thing. Or be vice president with Trump. I guess he's he called, you know, he called Trump a whole bunch of bad words in the text messages, but I guess when they're in person, they're good friends. So maybe Tucker will spend time with his family, run for president, start up his own right-wing website, although he already did that with a thing called the Daily Caller 10 years ago. What would be more interesting to me is if he went to somewhere else. I mean, I don't know, CNN? Supposedly CNN is trying to stop being left-wing. And then there's a right-wing version of YouTube called Rumble that is paying certain right-wing people to take their shows there. I think they got a guy named Dan Bongino who was at Fox, but he was too hardcore about Stop the Steal. And so he's on Rumble now. And I looked up Rumble's market cap. It's like $2.5 billion. So maybe they could pay Tucker the 10 to $50 million that he'd probably want. And then Twitter has been talking about allowing people to upload long videos. So kind of like being a, you know, they want to compete with PayPal and YouTube and like everyone. They're going to call it X.com. I mean, supposedly Elon Musk is creating a thing called X.com. And it's going to compete against everyone. Who knows what? Google, Microsoft, blah, blah. You know, name a company. They're going to have a version of that. And I recently saw a 16-minute video on Twitter. So they're... I think supposedly they can you can do longer videos, but I never see them never see them, but I did see a longer video finally, so I don't think I don't think Twitter's saying anything about hiring uh Tucker, but that would be a hell of a start. And then maybe go hire Rachel Maddow for the most popular, you know, media person on the left and whatever. This is all a pipe dream. Need to hit that opium pipe some more. Wah wah. I got denied a testosterone prescription from my online testosterone replacement therapy clinic thing. So I did this through Hone Health, I think .com, H-O-N-E. And so for $45 with your credit card, they send you a blood test kit with prepaid shipping. You send back some blood and then you get a online account where you can look at the results of your test and you get a I think a half hour consultation with the doctor so I would say 
you know, for $45, that's about the best deal in medical stuff possible. I recommend doing it, even though it didn't work out for me exactly. For $45, I mean, I'm glad I did it. It was interesting, got a bunch of numbers, got to talk to a doctor. You get it. Now, the numbers you get from your blood test is maybe, there's about 10 different things that they test. And I did all this a few weeks ago, and I was going to learn what those 10 things are before I talked about it. But apparently I'm slacking, and I don't know, I don't know what they are, so I'm just going to go ahead. But the ones that I've kind of learned, so there's testosterone, there's free testosterone, and then there's another one that I forget what it's called, but it's basically like, I think it's, it's related to erectile dysfunction, if you know what I mean. And so I had a testosterone of about 640 nanograms per deciliter. I mean, it doesn't matter. It may as well be miles per hour or murder per capita based on race. I swear when I make this podcast, me talking makes the local geese like come, come around and squawk. But anyways, I got a 640 on testosterone and they have kind of a hard and fast cutoff line. You can go on the internet and look stuff up. Like, if you're under 300, then you're dangerously low. And the doctor was like, we do not prescribe testosterone if your testosterone level is above 400. And I was like, so you're saying there's a hard and fast rule, 400 is the cutoff. And she's like, well, maybe 500. So I bet if you argue, this, this is a, the doctor was nice enough, she was at Indian South Asian woman but I bet if you argued with her you know maybe you could get it some you know 520 maybe I don't you know I don't know where her personal cutoff is there's some sort of regulations and then she has some sort of discretion but anyways I was out of the discretionary zone so that's why I gotta I gotta know and I don't know what's considered normal something like 300 to a thousand I imagine if you're a running back in the National Football League, you know, who, who knows what those guys got, 2,000. So let me go into why I wanted to possibly get some tea. Maybe we'll call it tea. Um, first off, you know, people like Joe Rogan, famous people who can get doctors to do what they want or know what the correct thing to say to the doctors is, they get on testosterone and they love it, you know, they're... 50 years old, 60 years old, and they're in better shape than they've ever been. So right there, that's attractive. And I just always wondered if, I always wondered if I had like possibly low, you know, like it wasn't my fault. My whole life was not my fault. It was out of my hands. It was all because of low testosterone. That was why Sally Mae turned me down in the third grade. So I was curious about the number. And like a number of years ago, I, I went on Amazon ordered a testosterone blood test, sent it in, and they never, whatever, they never contacted me again. It was something reputable, but got lot, truly got lost in the mail. I don't know. But then more recently, my hernia got bad. Like, I've had a hernia for years, but it took a turn for the worse. And this may get a little bit gross, so, you know, skip ahead five minutes if you don't want to know nothing. Um, but anyways, my hernia took a turn for the worse, and I got constipated because of it. It's, it's obstructing something. 
And so what I, I shouldn't have done it like this, but what I did was if I can't poop, then I ain't gonna eat. And so I lost a lot of weight. I actually went on a popcorn diet and ramen anyways, and I lost a lot of weight. And unfortunately mixed in with the fat was muscle weight. I think I lost like 10, 20, maybe more pounds of muscle. And I was like, I'm 50 years old. I may never get that muscle mass back. Boy, it'd be nice to just, you know, not for the rest of my life necessarily, just quick, get on some testosterone, get all that muscle back, and then, you know, and then maybe go off of it. But hopefully keep that muscle, you know, you get the idea. And so that gets to free testosterone which I don't know what that's measured in, but I was on the very low end of free testosterone. Apparently that is not how they determine whether or not they're gonna give you the prescription you want, but free testosterone is the one that controls muscle. So I don't know if I've always had a weak sauce, muscle testosterone number for my whole life, or your, your, your levels can go up and down. Um, like I was looking, you know, how do you fake a low testosterone number they're saying, drink tons of alcohol and don't sleep, for instance, will lower your testosterone level. Then you take your blood test and send it in. Now, there you go. You might be wondering, what do you do to fake your numbers, uh, dear listener? That was like the easiest, best thing to do. And, you know, that's whatever. I love my sleep. I mean, I would get a hangover in, re in return for what I want, but, you know, not sleeping, I don't know. There were no good answers like, oh, eat a bowl of Wheaties and your testosterone will go real low and then you'll be getting all the free testosterone you ever wanted. Testosterone has way too many syllables, damn it. And then I treated talking to this doctor like a test, so I studied for it. And basically I just Googled, you know, low testosterone symptoms. And then when I talked to the doctor, I just said I had all those symptoms. And basically, it's, it's mental stuff, physical stuff, and sex stuff. So, you know, in a bad mood, irritable, can't sleep, sleeping all the time, not as strong as you used to be, losing muscle mass, can't get it up, don't feel like doing it with your partner, etc. And so for me, like the only true one would basically be losing muscle mass, probably because of a different medical problem and intermittent fasting. But I just I said I had all of them. And th this part, I wish I could tell you the better answer. I don't know. I don't think you want to say you have all of them. You want to choose some of them. They're, they're definitely trying to upsell you on erectile dysfunction stuff. Like testosterone is a controlled substance. And I think the doctor could lose their license if they're giving it out willy-nilly. You know, like opioids or something. Whereas erectile dysfunction stuff, you know... They probably write prescriptions for that till the cows come home, can't boomerang on them. So anyways, the doctor was like, sounds like you got a thyroid problem. You, gotta, you better get to your primary care physician stat. You may have a big old problem. Thanks, doc. And then there was this third stat. It was an acronym, I think, like OPMD. I don't know what it was, but the doctor mentioned it. And it's the one that kind of tells you if you're going to have erectile dysfunction if you have a low number and the doctor's like you have a crazy high number on that one <laughs> and i won't get too graphic on it too here but i've actually gone to a doctor before they were no help 
but I have something that I have like the opposite of erectile dysfunction, which as the older I get, the more it goes away. But apparently it's caused by this chemical that's too high or it's possibly caused by a chemical that's too high. So now I know, now I know that. I'll tell you, I went to previous doctors. They didn't even think to test for that. This is going to be a short segment, but oh well, let's get it all out like a hairball. So the blood test comes with four lancets, which are little plastic things that have a spring-loaded knife that you poke yourself in the finger to make you bleed. And so these things, they come with instructions or whatever, and I... I poke, I, you know, I zap one of my fingers with it and you got to get out four big drops of blood and like there's barely any blood coming out of my finger and I'm like, oh no, I'm too old, I'm too low on testosterone, I can't even bleed enough to do the test to fix my problems. And you're like, okay, I got to milk my finger but not squeeze my finger. And I'm like doing this in my bedroom next to my dresser and the top of the dresser is just covered in a bunch of shit. I'm not a clean individual. Like if I was still a cigarette smoker, it would have been covered in like empty cigarette packs and an ashtray with cigarettes spilling all over, but it's, I don't know what it is now, ramen bags and the popcorn kernels that don't pop in the microwave. And the blood test thing is it's like, it's like a cardboard card that has like a couple little pieces of gauze glued to it that you got to put you know you drip onto the gauze and this card is like precariously perched on top of some underwear clean underwear because I wanted to get it up a little higher to make it easier and so I take the second lancet and I do a different finger and we have a gusher and it's getting all over the dresser and on the floor luckily not where the rug is and I'm like, crap, I need something to hold over the wound. And I'm like, ah, clean underwear. A transgender lawmaker got prohibited from speaking on the floor of the Montana state legislature. And this was done by the Republicans who have a supermajority in Montana. And it's similar to what happened in the capital of Tennessee last month where a couple black lawmakers got, they got booted out of the their jobs by the Republicans for disrupting the Senate business or whatever it was. That one had a bunch of protesters going into the Capitol building. They were doing gun rights, although the two black guys were kind of treating it like it was a Black Lives Matter thing. And then this Montana one, I think it's the protesters and the lawmaker, they're all they're all pro children affirming gender care, blah blah. But what's interesting is, you know, two is a trend. So, you know, boy, and you can't say this is just like January 6th. But anyways, protesters going into a building where the lawmakers are trying to pass laws and protesting to stop those lawmakers from going ahead with their laws. Uh, I think this is a thing. This may be a new thing. Two is a trend or three if you count January 6th. I listened to the Culture Gab Fest podcast this morning. I was fighting with my little dog in the middle of the night, and then I couldn't get back to sleep. That's Henry, my 16-pound COVID rescue dog. Or that's what I used to call him, but 
over the winter I put like multiple layers of jackets on them and then the weather recently just turned beautiful in southern Oregon and I took the jackets off of them and he's super fat underneath them. And he has or hopefully used to have some medical problem where he has to eat frequently otherwise he vomits up bile. I've had trouble getting people to understand. They're like, well, what did you feed him? And I'm like, no, he throws up when he doesn't eat. What was the food that he threw up? Anyways, some people don't get it. I have a feeling that my dear listeners are smarter. Smart enough, hopefully you get it. But he was on a regimen of, I would feed him every three hours, like 24 hours a day. And I used to, lately I've been able to sleep better, but I used to wake up enough times in the middle of the night that he would get every three hours, even, even at night. And he used to just jump up. You put food in his bowl, he would jump up and go eat it. But he's been, now he wants to sleep. So anyways, I was trying to get him, he sleeps at the foot of my bed. I was trying to get him off the foot of my bed and he's like gnawing on my hand as I'm trying to push him off. And a little, you know, a little animal is hard to move and it doesn't want to move and it's got teeth. But I did roust him and get him to go towards the dog bowl. I got this new thing I do, I, uh, I kick the dog bowl. Like he understands my hand is part of me. And so generally that means he doesn't bite it or something unless I'm trying to roust him. But I don't think he understands that my foot is part of me. So I kick the dog bowl and he thinks the foot is like an animal that might eat his food. And so that, so he'll bite my foot, which I wear a shoe and, uh, Anyways, and then he, when he thinks an animal is about to eat his food, then he will eat his food. But I have a hernia lately that makes me constipated, so I've been losing weight. And apparently he has found it. Anywho, I was listening to Culture Gab Fest, which is like, they review like movies and stuff. Uh, episode that came out last night or this morning. Um, Super Mario Brothers movie. There's a chimpanzee documentary on Netflix, and then they're talking about that AI hip-hop song. And it's actually the Slate Culture Gab Fest. I used to listen to a ton of Slate podcasts. They were the best, but uh, George Floyd made them all get so woke that, I don't know, I only listened to a few of them left. The sports one and the movie review one. But normally, Culture Gab Fest has three old white people who talk about stuff, and they're super woke. And, you know, they're like, you know, they're always explaining their white privilege. And the main guy, he's just very, he's like one of those movie crit critics that, you know, if, if the general populace likes a movie, then he's guaranteed to hate it. And anyway, so I just, I was in the mood to hear him shit all over Super Mario Brothers. Maybe, maybe it would make me angry and have fun. But they switched around the review people and... Instead of, the, instead of two of the normal old white woke people, they had a couple of young black woke people, or younger. And they started off the show by saying, oh, you guys played the video games, that's why we're, we're having you on. But I don't, I don't believe that's their reason. That's their excuse. I think they're like, we're going to talk about hip-hop, and maybe because we're going to talk about chimpanzees, we better have some black people on this show to talk about it. I think it would go like this. Okay, what's your excuse for, you know, having some young black people in here? They're like, oh, because they played the video game. You're like, okay, you're not allowed that excuse. Make up another excuse. They'd say, oh, because we're gonna talk about hip hop. 
And I guess, you know, you don't ask, you don't say you can't have those two excuses, come up with it. What's a third reason? So the main guy wasn't there, but still they, they did the classic movie critic thing where they were like, Super Mario Brothers isn't good. I was like, I enjoyed myself, but nitpick. I think basically their critique was, it's too much like the game. We already know what happens in the game. It's too much like that. They should have done something amazing and outside of the box. I mean, you know, a rainbow flag or a Black Lives Matter protester, just, you know, just a little bit of that, I'm sure, would have turned their frowns upside down. And then the second thing they reviewed was a documentary called Chimp Empire. It's on Netflix. And so one of these people they had on there, his name is Jamel Bowie, and he just calls everything racist. But he, he couldn't, uh, you know, you don't want to say, oh, that documentary about chimps is racist. That's, I don't know. Anyways, normally his knee-jerk reaction is everything is racist, but he, you know, you can't quite say it about a chimp documentary. I'm searching for words. Hopefully you get what I'm saying. But his critique was, he said at the beginning of the show, they're like, chimpanzees are 98% the same DNA as humans. And then the show says, you know, they're like people, but there are important differences where they're different than people. And then everything about chimps is like this, but he says, then the documentary just shows that there is a strict hierarchical pecking order and... You know, the most violent males are at the top and violence is used to settle all arguments and it's just violence, 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 hierarchy, hierarchy, hierarchy. And I think he doesn't like that because if you think of the history of hierarchies and violence between whatever groups throughout history, uh, may not, whatever, it might say something he didn't like. So like I say, this guy's job is to come on various Slate podcasts and call stuff racist. But he was dancing around it. I was like, huh, is this, you know, is this, is this a different Jamel Bowie? And anyways, and then this third segment was AI doing the hip-hop song. And he hated it, and he thought it was racist. And I was like, okay, yeah, I, I, I thought I knew who this guy was. So if you're woke, you know, up must really be down and the sky must really be purple. Otherwise, you know, all your woke horseshit might not be true. And so Jamel Bowie was like, oh, I know hip hop. I've been listening to it all my life. That's terrible hip hop. I instantly could tell that it was just terrible. Machines will never be able to do what humans can do and especially not what black hip hop artists can do. And I don't know, they were just saying a bunch of stupid stuff like, well, you know, maybe AI could be useful for helping you, you know, helping human artists find a little beat to add into their mostly or almost entirely human-made song. I mean, the lack of imagination is phenomenal. And then they're saying that hip-hop is really popular and, you know, music companies make a lot of money on it, but... According to these people, uh, music companies do not want to deal with black people. They like, they like to take the black music. He goes, Elvis, Vanilla Ice, Artificial Intelligence. You know, that's the through line. Music, love, music companies love making money, but they don't want to deal with black people. And now here's just another way of doing it. And I think if you switch it from black people to just musicians, you're prob- he's probably right. I mean, they're young. They do drugs. They whatever they're just they're they're a problem
If they're smoking hot women, they sue you for sexual harassment, possibly. I'm thinking of Taylor Swift. Like, maybe her manager was a real monster or whatever, but she has made her music company and her manager's life a living hell. Well, she's been a big problem. If, you, if a computer could have done Taylor Swift's songs and you wouldn't have all the lawsuits and the blah blah, it would have been a lot easier. And you can think back when there used to be rock bands, right? They would tear up their hotels and drink too much. Anyways, hell, would you like to replace the burger flipper at your McDonald's with a robot that doesn't talk back? Yes, and you'd really like to do it with your musicians. And so here's what I'm looking for. Someday there's going to be an AI-made song in the top 10. Just one song. So we're going to go from zero to one. Now, I guess according to these people, that would never happen. Or maybe you go back down to zero. But I think after one, you're going to have two. And then someday, possibly this year or next year, it'll be the time it's like, oh, this is the first week ever when all of the top 10 is AI. So it was mentioned that chimpanzees are 98% the same DNA as humans. So I decided to look that up. So chimps are actually 98.8. So 99%. They're just like us. Dogs are 94% the same as us. Cow, oh, cats are 90%. Cows are 80%. Fruit flies and bananas are both 60%. More than half the same as us. So that's kind of surprising to me that cows at 80 are so much less like humans than cats at 90. But I think about half of DNA goes towards just like a general cell. Like a cell in a tree is the same as a cell in a person. It's just a... Uh, it's got a cell wall and a nucleus and, I don't know, blastocytes or something. And years ago, I listened to a Science Friday podcast where they had some scientists on there. And the question was, are humans born good or born evil? And the scientist was like, well, we can look at the animal kingdom. Uh, chimpanzees are 99% the same as humans, and they're evil as hell. And they're born that way. Chimps do this thing called patrolling where groups of males go around the perimeter of the area that they control looking for single chimps from a different group and then they jump and kill that chimp. And I think that's genetic and I think Caveman did that too. I recently learned about the enormous number of employees that universities have. Some schools like Stanford have more employees than they have undergrad students. And the number of teachers and professors they have is actually pretty low. It's other kinds of employees. And I'm sure they got a few cooks and a few groundskeepers, but it's just layers and layers of bureaucracy. Brown University, Ivy League school. Um, I know they have, I believe it's seven layers of diversity, equity, and inclusion administration. It's like the interim assistant undersecretary of diversity, equity, and inclusion who reports to the assistant undersecretary of diversity, equity, and inclusion that reports to the blah blah blah. And I think universities today are they're pretty much run by woke white women, educated ones. I mean the president of the university might be a white dude or something, but there is just mega layers and 
people have been working there for years of just educated white women, just ton of tons of them. I mean, I'm sure the schools would love to hire a black or a brown person, but I think their criteria is you got to have a useless degree from a fancy school. And that, you know, another way of saying that is white women. And the big tech companies right now, they are firing layer after layer of middle management. But I don't think schools have any incentive to try and be lean and mean at all. The federal government gives loans to the students. The students give that money to the school. Everyone's happy, I guess. And the schools just get more and more expensive and whatever. It's fun to spend other people's money. And I looked up Ohio State. They have over 50,000 employees. That's like a city, a big city of just employees. And then my, you know, my home school, University of Oregon, it has a little over 5,000. So two big state schools. Apparently you can get by with 5,000 employees. But, you know, for the hell of it, I guess, why not get by with 50,000? And I looked up uh, average salary of a Harvard employee, 75K. So I think you got one grounds person who makes $30,000 a year and then some educated white woman bureaucrat who makes $120,000 a year. And if you lost that gardener, you'd have a problem. You'd have to replace them. And if you lost that overeducated white lady, the world would be a better place. And managing people is a full-time job. So the bigger your bureaucracy, the more you have to hire more people to oversee your bureaucracy. And if it gets complicated enough, you can have this person in charge of that person in charge of that person. And then eventually the person on the bottom, you put them in charge of the person on the top and you have a circle. And now you can slot in an infinite number of people into your bureaucracy. John Mearsheimer was on the Non-Zero podcast the other day talking about Russia, Ukraine. And uh, one question is, is Putin a crazy, you know, is he a wild man, a crazy person? Or is what Russia did, you know, could you predict it? Was it obvious based on the stuff that America was doing? And Mearsheimer describes himself as a realist. I guess there's a school of foreign policy called realism. Um, America does liberalism. Not liberals like left-leaning, but liberalism as in um, democracy and capitalism. And I guess the realist idea of what great powers like America or Russia or China, what they do, you know what they're going to do. They basically always do the same thing. So if you try and get Ukraine to be part of NATO and then start putting missiles into Ukraine, then Russia's going to attack. And there's two examples, so you can look to the past to predict the future, um, was the Korean War and the Cuban Missile Crisis. So the Korean War, like, you know, if you think about it, you got China, and then next to them on the peninsula is North Korea, and then farther down the peninsula is South Korea. And so I think America is like, hey, we're just helping out our democratic buddies, the South Koreans, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're friends to the whole world. And China was like, uh, if America takes over North Korea, then they're going to be on our border. 
that's not acceptable. And so, according to Mearsheimer, the Korean War was not... Anyways, it was, it was America versus China. Koreans were mixed in there, but it was America versus China. And then the Cuban Missile Crisis, I guess, you know, Russia was like, hey, we're just helping out all the poor workers of the world. And we're going to do that by putting nukes in Cuba. And America was basically like, if you put missiles in a country that is basically on our border, we're going to kill everyone on the planet in a nuclear war. And I guess what they agreed upon was that Russia would not put uh, missiles in Cuba. And apparently, I didn't know this, America agreed to not put missiles in Turkey, which is close to Russia, possibly on their border. Actually, I guess, it, yeah, it would be on the border of the USSR, the old Russia. And so this Mearsheimer guy, he's pretty famous. Um, I'm sure he's on Twitter. He writes books, whatever. Um, you know, people are like, you're a Putin apologist. But what he wants to do is he's like, we should be friends with Russia so we can get together and fuck over China. He says that, Scrapping with Russia over the country of Ukraine, which doesn't mean diddly squat to America, is the exact opposite of what we should be doing. We need to use Russia to contain, you know, that, give, that would give us a nice friend right on the border of China. Another friend. Hell, a friend with nukes. We could have, we could have had a friend with nukes on the border with China, and we fucked it up. He thinks. And then they were talking about a concept. It was something like the riddle of defense. That wasn't the title, but there's some concept. And it's, you know, our weapons, you know, what are defensive weapons? Like, I guess we're putting a military base in Poland. Like, oh, this is just a defensive military base. You know, you know, like the uh, Department of Defense in America, for instance. You know, how our Department of Defense went over and killed a bunch of Iraqis. But the thing about defense is that any weapon that can be used for, for defense can also be used for offense. So apparently America's putting lots of missiles, like in Poland and in, in that general area, and it's supposedly to protect those places from Iran. But you could also shoot the missiles into Russia if you wanted. And so there's two parts. The weapons, you can't really tell if those are defensive or offensive weapons. And then the other thing is you don't really know what the person who has them wants to do with them and you don't know what the next guy you know like like maybe biden doesn't want to send missiles into russia but you don't know who the next president is or you know two presidents from now he might be like oh sweet you left out you left some missiles there that i can use to do who knows what and so that's why great powers do not like countries on their border with weapons and i think little weak countries also don't like countries on their border with weapons but because they're little and weak, they can't do nothing about it. And then because of World War II, America got lucky. Like we, you know, we have, you know, we have a lot of weapons in Japan. I think, you know, the Philippines, I guess now South Korea, Taiwan. Basically, there's countries sur surrounding the southern part of China. They're all our friends and we put military, military bases in all of them. And so that's different from what happened with Russia. Like in Russia, after World War II, I think, you know, we had, what, West Germany, and then we got East Germany, and then we had to go, you know, several countries deep before we got to Ukraine and then get on the border of Russia. 
And so to put a bunch of military bases around China, like if you had to slowly creep up on China, they might be starting a war like Russia did in Ukraine. But luckily for us, we just, after, you know, 1945, before Russia got rich and powerful, we put military bases there before they could do anything about it. They were the small, weak country back then. Sorry, China. We, they were the weak little country back then that we surrounded after 1945. China. China. And Mir asked, like, you know, why do we care? Why do we need countries all around the border around China? And he said, because when you got a bunch of enemies surrounding you, you, you don't have any leisure time. You can't send your military around the world to do whatever it is you want them to do, like America. Like, there's, there's nothing around America that can threaten us. So therefore, we can send our military to the far corners of the world. And he does not want China to be able to do that. He wants them to keep, you know, they need to be building their weapons to fight right next to, right next door, not sending them over to, you know, South America. Or he says, you know, they conceivably, if, if they didn't have all the, if Japan and everyone wasn't against them, they might become friends with Mexico and Canada. I mean, you know, this... I guess this is in a different, a whole different reality or maybe far in the future, but you know, it'd be like, oh, we're just putting defensive missiles in Canada and Mexico. And that's a little far-fetched, but you know, China has become friends with a lot of poor countries, you know, shithole countries in Africa and South America. But so it's kind of like, I think they used to say this in the Iraq war, you know, you fight the terrorists over there so you don't have to fight them here. So I guess we, we fight China over there so we don't have to worry about them over here. So no blockbusters came out in theaters this week. Um, Super Mario Brothers was number one again, had a very small drop, made a ton of money. Evil Dead Rise was number two again, doing really well for a movie that was supposed to go to streaming. And then they're like, hey, this is a good movie. Let's throw it into theaters. Number three was an actual new movie. Um, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Made about $7 million on the opening weekend on a $30 million budget, so eh. But I find it interesting because when I was a kid, I used to like the Ramona Quimby books by Beverly Cleary. And I think my school would put right next to those books, um, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret by Judy Bloom. It's a famous kid's book, I think written in the 70s. It's kind of like a feminist coming-of-age book for girls. I don't think I read it, but I might have read it when I was a kid. I looked up a Christian review of it, and I don't think you can say this is part of this thing where I'm looking. Is there a Christian movie in the top ten each week? Well, I think this one doesn't count. She's like, are you there, God? Oh, you're not, because I don't believe in you. And Sunday nights, right before I publish my podcast, I watch uh, Grace Randolph's YouTube channel to get my box office info. She's woke, but she's good and comprehensive. And I've mentioned that they've done polling, and a large segment of America is pissed off at Disney. But is this, is this really what's affecting their bottom dollar? And according to Grace, she thinks, do you think there really is a movement against Disney going on in America today? And she's caught up in it, I guess. And every time she mentions how great the audiences approve of Super Mario Brothers, she's like, but that's a bad movie. So at least one woke person wishes Super Mario Brothers had not done so well. And she kind of threw a little slap at, Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret, saying they didn't add anything for modern audiences, which is code for doesn't have 
enough queer stuff, or I think any queer stuff. Basically, it was faithful to the book. If you're not race-swapping and queer-swapping characters in and out, willy-nilly, then, you know, whatever. You got a far-right Nazi movie. And next week, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 comes out. That's a Marvel Disney movie. We'll see what it does. A month after that comes the race-swapped Little Mermaid. That's the one that really is going to see how people think about Disney stuff now. And Grace has a theory that Super Mario Brothers, Chris Pratt, and uh, Tom Cruise, those are the people that you go and watch in the theaters if you want to stick it to Disney. Although Chris Pratt, he's the voice of Super Mario Brothers, Mario, but he's also the star of Guardians of the Galaxy, so that part, I mean, whatever. That's her theory. I don't know if it all works out perfectly. But Top Gun Maverick was considered not woke, and so... If Tom Cruise has another has a has a big hit, and the hit isn't full of wokeness, then that could be another uh, slap in the face at Disney. And then the Black Tinkerbell remake of Peter Pan came out on Disney Plus. We'll know if it's a hit or a flop or whatever. It takes a few weeks to find out what happened on streaming. Twitter handle at anti woke podcast. Please tell a friend about this podcast, and thanks for listening.